Welcome to Talking in Stations, a show about EVE Online, a spaceship game. If you're watching us live on Twitch TV, we have a podcast version on TalkingInStations.com. Uh, we also have a YouTube hub with videos on demand <laughs> at YouTube.com slash TalkingInStations, all one word. Today we have episode 218. Yes, we've done 218 of these Sunday shows now. Damn. I know, really. I'm your host, Carneros, from The Bastion, and I'm joined by two hosts and two guests today. So let's introduce them and give you a chance to hear their voices. It's very helpful if you're on the podcast version. First, we have Elise Randolph from Pandemic Legion. Hey, how's it going? Uh, very happy. I can't believe we've done 218. It's 218 Sunday shows so far. And it's we crazy. have Michael from The Initiative. Hey, guys. Excellent. You'll get used to it. Yep. <laughs> and then, okay, let me introduce our guest. This is a little bit trickier, though. Okay. First, we have Makoto Priano. He is the CEO of Itsukami Zaino Hyperspatial Inquiries Limited, and he is the Coordinator Emeritus of the Arataka Research Consortium. Nicely done on those names. And uh, hey, I'm Mac. Uh, Mac, for short, that works perfectly well for this. Excellent. Wonderful. That won't, that won't get confusing at all. And then I'd like to introduce you to Dutch Gunner, who is the CEO and founder of Circle of Abyss and also the FC of the fleets of Arataka Research Consortium. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Dutch Gunner and um, I'm the main FC. I do have other FCs as well, and I think we're going to be busy in the next coming weeks and months. Excellent. Thank you both for joining us today. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with the work of the Arataka Research Consortium, it's amazing. Uh, these, these folks look deeply into the questions of our day with regard to hostile and benevolent uh, uh, alien invaders and, and contact. Uh, they look into the lore, they look into the science, they look into the practical application and response. Uh, they are what we have in New Eden today in terms of expertise on the Triglavian menace. And my, uh, my favorite little tidbit about them that was kind of just released not too long ago uh, in interviews and stuff, uh, CCP actually were so impressed that they thought they had a leak because these guys were so good at deconstructing the mysteries that they were throwing out at uh, Capsuleers. That's amazing. So I will say, when it comes to uh, the Triglavian Primer, in the first place, um, all credit to uh, the folks who have been involved in that writing project. In the second case, uh, a lot of the time, a lot of what we're looking at, like it's already there, like the breadcrumbs are all laid out and people go, oh, hey, this is probably the pattern. Um, but uh, with the Primer and similar projects, uh, some of the folks with ARC and the greater community, you know, we go, okay, well, let's prove it and prove that it's not the other thing or that thing and so on. And it's just, um, you know, it's taking that theory and uh, validating it or disproving it. You know, God, it sounds like science that way. Well, plenty of times it's just somebody having a bit of a mind wave like, wait, wait, what about this? Or shouldn't we be looking at that? And that triggers other people to look into it. And then all of a sudden, a single question or a single line uh, can lead to some amazing findings. You, you guys didn't form to, you've been in, uh, in existence longer than Triglavians have been a name in New Eden. 
What, what, uh, tell us about your history. Um, so ARC actually originally didn't even exist as ARC. Um, so it sort of spun out of, um, honestly, like the very beginnings of the Drifter storyline. Uh, the point at which ARC started to form was with the uh, first Drifter hive dive in like June of 2015. And, you know, it's like, okay, let's get into the hives. Let's see what we see because it just hit TQ. And there ended up being about like maybe a dozen of us in various corporations. And um, that uh, actually ended up being our first moment of sort of fame where we found the corpse of Helen Tukos, uh, who's a, a story character involved with, you know, Arak Jalan, and we can go into that at length. Um, and some of us ended up with, uh, yeah, bounties on our heads that basically totaled 200 old plex, which is not inconsiderable amount. Um, and then fast forward, uh, basically like we, we kept doing the stuff, we kept doing the stuff. And then eventually it's like, okay, well, we're a bunch of corporations. Let's, you know, we're, we're the consortium. And then CCP came up with, uh, or rather announced the Upwell consortium. It's like, oh, well, we can't be the, uh, just be the consortium. I mean, there are two consortiums now that get confusing and there's no way we could you know, brand ourselves and, you know, displace up well. So that's the point at which uh, the name ARC or the Arataka Research Corporation came about. And we've been doing tinfoily stuff with like sleepers and drifters and the Kyonoke plague in 2017 and so on and everything since. So yeah, five years and running. Well, you do, you do great work. The, the, the research documents are amazing. The, uh, the videos are absolutely like they mess with your mind that it might be, it does this come from CCP or not? I remember the first time I saw the, uh, the arc videos, I was re I, I genuinely was like that kind of, I thought it was a CCP production. It was so good. You guys do exceptional work. Yeah. All credit. Um, when it comes to the discourse, uh, there are a few team members on that, uh, Primarily, it's uh, Cerulean Voth does our audio and is also uh, one of the voices of the newscasters for the discourse. And uh, Jarrett Victorian does the the composition work and a lot of the filming. Uh, we also have Elinari Rodan as uh, the uh, uh, as another newscaster voice. And at various points, we've been helped with like Corin Moore has done our intro splashes. Uh, Nomastrov has done some excellent uh, video work for us. Uh, Uriel Paradisiente of Nietzsche has done like some video work and some um, graphics work. And uh, La Sionrona Rask has also done some voice work. And all of them are excellent and do honestly professional great stuff. It's been amazing. Speaking of CCP, they, they tweeted earlier today and said the Triglavian invasion of EVE Online is about to come to a head. And has said, oh, the, actually, they tweeted a quote from Massively OP. The Triglavian invasion of EVE Online is about to come to a head and is set to make shockwaves across all of New Eden. And then they commented, it seems that the forces of the Triglavians will change New Eden forever. Are you ready? So we here at Talking in Stations would like to ask the audience, are you ready? And we're here to help you get ready. So let's start by by asking our, our guests here, what should we be doing to get ready? <laughs> What's going to happen? <laughs> what, and, and I'd like to warn the audience that today's episode is going to include both fact 
and conjecture. Some things are not known, but we're going to do our best to give you our insights and, and guesses for what's going to happen. So I think I'll be taking the lead on this one, as this is more my field of expertise. Um, I'm, I'm just going to start with the most important thing, and that's don't panic. There's hobo leaks, there's a lot of speculation, and people are just looking at bits and pieces of upcoming mechanics, but we're only seeing bits and pieces. We don't know how they work, we don't know how they interact, but people are theory crafting, tinfoiling, and they're accepting, accepting a lot of theories as fact. And they start to get in a bit of a panic. With, what if this? What if that? So first of all, don't panic. <laughs> Second of all, um, based on how things happened in the past, there's going to be a kickoff on the 26th. So it's not like everything is likely to hit at 100% of the content right from the get-go. We've wait, seen wait, it with... the 26th. That's two days from when we're recording this mm -hmm. podcast. Yes. Holy cow. Okay. Keep going. Um, if you look back at chapter two, that was where they moved away from the um, World Arc Proving Grounds. They went to the current observatory flashpoints, but that didn't happen right away. They first introduced a different site where they introduced us to these are the stellar accelerators. And then those got transferred into the observatory flashpoints. So it's not like it's the 26th. Here you go, all the content from the get-go. There's going to be a bit of a run-up. What, of course, that run-up looks like and how disruptive CCP wants to be in the first go of it um, really is going to depend, honestly, almost as much on like marketing objectives as the story. Uh, so we can really only theorize, as uh, Dutch Gunnar said. Okay. Well, let's start with uh, what we know. And we, one of the things we know is that uh, we've been told that Forsaken Fortress is going to be, is, we'll call that a, just as a, we'll, we'll just giggle and call that a new software update coming out from Upwell Consortium to help with the obsolescence of aging structures in space. Uh, should, Interesting should, way of looking at it. Should go live on, on Tuesday. <laughs> and, um, and at that point, uh, the death, the, you know, the, uh, the timeline is ending soon for structures. Some of them will go into abandoned state uh, and then uh, they'll lose asset safety and people are all across New Eden for the last couple of weeks, people have been taking down structures in large numbers. Yeah, it's led to, um, it's led to some pretty big fights. Um, I know the Imperium had a huge fight uh, over two keep stars in the tribute area. Uh, a lot of like death happened there. Uh, including one of the keep stars being hilariously like destroyed by accident as the uh, the Imperium tried to scoop it horde found out Imperium was like hey I've got an idea we'll use our horde spy to pick up this keep star so horde won't shoot their own character um, which kind of worked for a while it picked up the keep star but then an Imperium pilot said hey there's a freighter that's a bad guy with the keep star I'm gonna go bubble it and he accidentally bubbled his own spy, uh, and it led to like a big fight, and the Keepstar eventually uh, died in that freighter. But that was only like part one. There's another one going on. There's been a whole bunch of these uh, pretty sizable skirmishes over uh, Fortizars and, and Keepstars and other upwell structures as they're being taken down to prepare for uh, the Forsaken Fortress. 
And for those who aren't aware what it's all about, currently, if you deploy a um, upwell structure, there's two modes. It's powered and it's low powered. And after the update, if it's been seven days and in those seven days, no fuel has been consumed, it goes into abandoned state. And in abandoned state, if it's blown up, um, everything that's in it will drop as loot. Compared to when it's in low power mode, it's going to go into asset safety. With the exception, I think, of all the materials that are being used in um, industry and research, but those should be cut off as soon as it hits low power regardless. And am I right or am I, did I did just have a weird dream that um, faction Fortisars, the ones that used to be player-owned stations, but that got swapped over to uh, uh, upwell structures, they will not have an abandoned state they'll just have high power and low power is that according according to hobo leaks it would seem that the those structures are the exception they will only have they will only go to low powered but that's on hobo leaks so that's not a given yet okay gotcha so that gives a little bit of value to those uh so if you want to speculate on the market might as well go go buy one of those don't blame me if it's wrong though well nothing's Nothing's real till it's actually live. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of value in them regardless because they're a one-off. If they're destroyed, they're gone. There's no way to build them again. They're awfully shiny. So, so would I be right in thinking that uh, CCP is potentially enacting this change because of what happened on the test server? Maybe. There was a, uh, let, let's tell the, the listeners what happened on the test server. I think they, it, they blew up NOL TAC in Delve on the test server as an experiment uh and uh it crashed i'm told it crashed singularity when the cans all spawned because it was just so much and i'd also want to mention that this week we uh the imperium blew up a fortazar in low sec and went to try to loot the pieces of it in a rorqual um it, it was not a fun experience the uh, the the looting uh, experience needs to be tested and maybe uh, you know tweaked a little bit as you go. The inability to use capital tractor beans on a Rorqual in low sec really slows down your ability to collect anything anyway. But uh, uh, so uh, apparently, uh, yeah, there might be a lot of stuff in some of these old structures. Yeah, Noel is one of the uh, the most storied uh, stations in, in all of EVE Online through like the history of all the Great Wars. Uh, a lot of the attackers and defenders have been through that system. So I can imagine there's uh, a few hundred thousand capsuleers with at least something in there. And if you uh, if you know anything about the the, the old campaigns and stuff of uh, EVE Online, um, that is that shown on the actual on the stream at the moment is the uh, the can sphere of null station dying and somewhere in there is mr v's crew yeah somewhere there he, he left it there yeah yeah eighteen thousand cans that's mind-blowing and also hard on your graphics Oof, yeah that many objects on one grid that's that sounds like pain I'm pretty sure that even the high-end computers are going to be running potato mode to have any bit of frame rate. So one piece of advice for how to get ready is take a look at all your structures and make sure they're all fueled with at least, you know, a month or two of fuel in them. Hello? Yeah, all of them. If you don't want 
if you don't want to fuel it, take it down. One fun thing that's uh, always been sort of more of a, a nuisance. So at least to this point, my understanding is that uh, CCP's AI doesn't necessarily know how to do follow-on bashes on structures. But with abandoned structures, they don't need to follow on. So you can easily have essentially like an automated cleanup crew of drifters or triglavians um, just sort of popping abandoned structures wherever they happen to be active, provided that they, you know, hit you know, uh, the regeneration, the damage cap. Those dumb aliens stole my ships. <laughs> it's just like, okay, follow the triglavians and just loot when they leave the field. Yes. Perfect. Then again, for those who, who are currently on a break or they're forced to be on a break on EVE, double check your assets. If you see it's anywhere in a structure, a citadel, mining complex, engineering complex, refinery, um, think carefully. And currently, you're still able just to move it into asset safety manually. <laughs> So um, if you're not sure how long you'll be on a break, but you do have things that you really want to keep, move them in asset safety. So they're going to um, an NPC station because that way you know that, sure, you have to pay the fee, but when you come back, you'll be sure that that stuff is going to still be there instead of somebody else looted it or it got blown up, Never, nobody looted it, and it just despawned and it's gone. Oof. Earlier this week, CCP hosted a stream uh, and you, let's, uh, Makoto, you were on the stream uh, and uh, talking a little bit about uh, Invasion Phase 3. Were there any aspects from that show that you might want to um, mention again for our listeners who maybe were half paying attention or didn't catch the stream to just to, be, to catch us up to that point before we go further? So I'll do um, a little bit of like basic, like, okay, let's assume you've seen nothing at all, and then um, some of the key components of that stream. Um, so in the first place, the the thing that you probably know, but I'm just saying it for the sake of things, uh, the Triglavians have been invading in some capacity for uh, about a year now. And they've been fighting uh, the Empires and Concord and uh, have shown a considerable interest in our stars. Um, and... That has been increasingly creepy, and there have been hints that something uh, terrible this way comes. Uh, but what exactly that would be um, hadn't really been shown, at which point then we started to get more hints of it with that stream, with the um, scope episode that shows strange Triglavian constructions. And now we get to this point where, all right, the, the fight is on, the Triglavians are evidently enacting their master plan, and uh, Concord and the Empires are preparing for uh, uh, a full and proper defense. So essentially, we've gone from like, okay, we're fighting to, all right, this is actively war. And that's where you get Eden come from. That's the, what's the, what's, what's that a shorthand version of? I think it's New Eden Common Defense Initiative. Nice. That's what it is too. Yeah, so essentially the four empires in Concord in a, a proper joint military command, which in theory hasn't happened in the game world since like YC37, which is like, you know, ages ago. The, the, the last time, if, if you're really talking about the history, that's only when they actually um, moved in on Sancho's nation. As far as I know, that's that's the last time in 
recorded history known to us that the nations and concords joined arms and took an approach, like took up weapons collectively against a single entity. And there is some like uh, some, you know, intermixing between the Triglavians, not intermixing, but the, the storylines do kind of cross a little bit between the Triglavians and the uh, the Sancha, right? Like the Triglavians hate the Sancha. Is that fair to say? Or they view them as some sort of weird enemy? Yeah, so um, a lot of the uh, Triglavian data streams, um, they talk about, uh, I think it's like a corruption of hive linking or something like that. And they consider the uh, Sancha to be poshlost, which is essentially to be uh, profane, that they you know, must be extirpated, which is to say they must be wiped out. And uh, near as we can tell, the, the dominant theory is that it's because the, um, the Sancha are, are essentially Borg-like and that they, um, they take over people and link them into a hive where they have no self-will and it's a, a completely involuntary process. It seems like the Triglavians, while they also have um, like a lot of uh, funky infomorphy mind-to-mind link stuff, are really big on people having a say in what's going on and being able to consent or dissent or vote yes or no and to like engage in a process. So like specifically like a moral imperative to to be able to consent. Neat. Yeah. Okay, so the invasions are going to start this week, aren't they? Are they going to start on on the 26th uh, in two days? Are we going to see Triglavians take systems? We don't know. <laughs> we don't. We don't know. Um, all we know is that it starts with the twenty sixth. But what, how it's going to start, how things are going to be introduced, is an unknown. Um, there is a possibility, but this is once again, it's not fact. This is just looking at the past and making a prediction. Um, it could very well be that once we have Tuesday, they're going to make some changes and all the outstanding invasions are switched to a very specific uh, state. Like when they introduced the observatory flashpoints, all the invasions at the same time were set in what we call the third stage, the observatory flashpoints or observatories active. And they stayed there for one or two, day, two, one or two days um, just to give everybody the, the opportunity to get into it straight away instead of having to wait and see before they could experience what it's all about so they could do something similar but it's all speculation at this point if we're in a system that the triglavians um, choose as a beachhead entrance are we still going to be able to undock and dock will we be able to use station services so this gets to stuff that we see on singularity uh, via hobo leaks and data mining and there are a lot of very suggestive strings um and this gets into, again, the question of like what mechanics are going to be active straight away and what's going to be going on and so forth. Um, there are various things that apparently can happen with a system under a third phase invasion. Um, and again, as I said, we don't know what's going to be active and what's not. In the first place, there are strings that suggest that you won't be able to get missions in those systems because it's currently under attack. There are strings that suggest at some point, under some conditions, the security status of a system under invasion will drop, possibly becoming low sec, maybe even null sec. We don't know. Um, and there are also strings that uh, deal with some of the implications of that security status drop. For instance, warning you if you try to jump into the system and it's under invasion, the security is lower than normal. 
Or also, if there's a war HQ in the system and it's gone low sec, it invalidates the war. So um, there are a, a lot of things that imply that the security status drop is going to be a thing that happens. But whether that's automatic when the invasion starts or whether players siding with the Triglavians bring that about by various actions, we do not yet know. So one of the coolest implications for this, and I'm, I'm like very not into the, the like I'm not nearly as uh, deep into the, the lore aspect of this as you guys are. So correct me, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, or where I'm wrong. The Triglavians have shown an interest in blue suns, um, specific, or blue stars. And one of the systems that has a bl small blue star is Niarja, which is a 0 0.5 system that connects, it's a highway that connects uh, the Amar trade hub and the Jita trade hub. So this would potentially be one of the systems that the Triglavians are interested in and we could theoretically see Niarja go from a 0 0.5 to a 0 0.4, which would essentially cut off all trade between Amar and Jita. Who knows if that security status drop would be temporary or if it's permanent or, and this is where we start getting to like, okay, we've seen even stranger stuff in there. For instance, like the, the initial uh, quadrant trailer showed a gate going offline. So it's like, is there a later stage of invasion once the Triglavians have won where they just like completely cut access to the system? Like, does the system effectively drop off the map? We don't know yet. Oh, that'd be so cool. Imagine just Amar just does not get to talk to Jita anymore. Like, that's completely wild. It's, it's the part where um, there are still other routes to get to Cheetah. That's just the, sh the quickest one if you're going through HiSec. If you, you look at the autopilot system, you can always say avoid that system. So there are other alternatives. It's just the highway. Yeah, and so that's totally going to be one of those things where like, okay, let's say trade routes are cut. Um, in the short term, Obviously, it's disruptive to industry and who knows like what happens like, oh, hey, does the South just start preferentially using Amar? Does Amar become a more important trade hub? Does Jita fade away because like, oh, hey, it has access to a smaller area or does Jita keep carrying on as a central trade hub just because of the amount of uh, industry and pilots that are north of the uh, Niarja choke point? I mean, we just don't know. Um, I will say one thing real quick that if this like Obviously, this is all tinfoil from my end. But if you do make it so you avoid Niarja, the trip from Jita to Amar goes from nine jumps, which it is currently, to 45 jumps <laughs> to avoid Niarja. It, it's a reshape of the map, absolutely. However, what we um, can expect is that there's just like there, there are different, uh, there's a, let's just call it a neutral state. And based on player actions, it's going to shift one way or the other. Either it's going to shift towards the Triglavians in two phases. Like there is, um, uh, there's the, the neutral state, stellar reconnaissance. And then if it starts shifting towards the Triglavian, you first get escalating luminality. And then when it's really fully um, linked up, uh, fully flipped towards the Triglavian, it's going to be final luminality. At the same time, if you start working in support of Edencom, then from the neutral state, it goes to Redoubts and Bulwarks until it's finally an Edencom Fortress. So that's the part where um, there's certainly going to be, uh, or at least it looks like, 
there's going to be factional warfare influences where based on player actions, um, it's going to flip one way or the other. And um, it's it's not a one-way trip. Like if it's going to push towards the Triglavian first, it can still be pushed back to Edencom up until it's in that final stage where it's either an Edencom fortress or it hit final luminality. So basically, things are, things are about to get nutty. <laughs> yeah. The question then, instead of choosing one side or the other, is there an, also an option of trying to maintain some kind of aloof neutrality? Um, that's a really great area based on um, general polarity. Uh, like there, there is a bit of polarization in what I'm going to say next, but you got people who support the Triglavians because they like what the Triglavians represent. At the same time, there's people who want to support the Triglavian because they don't like the Empire. So it's like whatever we can do to mess up Empire space because we want to give them the, the, the Empires the finger, let's go with that. Um, at the same time, there's people uh, with with uh, Ark who's like, no, let's please let's think about the people living within the empires um, or just in support of the empires who want to see uh, the invasions fail with the systems f- uh, falling to the Triglavians. Um, what we can see is that neutrality basically comes down to stepping back. If if you're going to get in there, um, there's been standings uh, has been implemented. So if you kill Triglavians, you're going to lose standings with the Triglavians. If you start to fight for the Triglavians, you'll take standing hits probably with Edencom. But depending on which part of Empire space you're in, you'll also be killing uh, Navy Empire faction ships. So you'll start losing standings with that Empire faction. Uh, we don't know how possibly interlinked standings work. For example, if uh, currently if you support Amar, your Amar standing goes up, but your Minmatar standing goes down. So at the same time, there, there isn't really any indication yet if it's just standing loss with the Empire faction and Edencom, or if it's also going to affect uh, uh, your security standing with Concord. So the Triglavian invasions have been active already on uh, on tranquility, right? So there are areas in high sec where you can, you know, work with uh, work with the Triglavians or push against them. Uh, if no, if like a player like me who hasn't really uh, done too much of that, can we still get involved in chapter three, or is this something that we had to be involved with in chapter one and two? No, absolutely. You can still get involved um, no matter what stage is in. Just looking at Hobo League's file, it looks like there's different kinds of um, difficulty ratings. So uh, just like with Abyssal, you got tier one up to tier five. Uh, currently, you got uh, emerging conduits, which you see outside of invasions. You've got the minor conduits, which basically is the entry level. If you're trying to run conduits in, uh, in in invaded space. Then you got the major conduits, and then you got the next tier, the end of dun- the end dungeon. Um, it was uh, currently, it's the observatory flashpoints. In chapter one, it was the world arc proving grounds. What it's going to be in chapter three, we don't know, um, but it's probably going to be a part where depending on how things are going to flip, you either have a final fight to push the Triglavians out, or you can have a final fight to push the empires out. So even if you're if you're just trying to get started, um, uh, it looks like there's going to be a bit of the at least it seems likely 
that the resource war sites could be implemented in one way or the other. Uh, that is speculation. That's like I said, that's not a given. So no matter really what your background is, whether it's industry or if you're trying to get in there with the combat sites, it seems like there is there is something to do um, for everybody, even if you're just getting started. And we're also likely to uh, see some new uh, effects. And how exactly it plays into the timeline of these invasions uh, is very much a question. There are, for instance, uh, strings and objects on Singularity that imply that you might be able to, for instance, um, attack Edencom Sinojammers. So whether that's uh, a situation where security status drops, but there's still Sinojammers until Triglavian-supported forces bring them down, or you bring down the Sinojammers and it drops the security level, we don't know. But um, there are definitely going to be some uh, funky new mechanics in at some level or sometime in this. And I understand there are also some new structures coming to the game. Do we know anything? And that they're, they're going to be on both sides of the conflict. Do we know anything about these new structures or what any of them do, any of their purposes? So the, um, the one that most likely ties into the uh, essentially Resource Wars 2.0 theory is, uh, for instance, the Edencom Tenshu which uh, appears to be a receiving structure for uh, resources and like a, a central uh, warehouse or cache for uh, minerals and that type of thing, uh, theoretically. Um, but the thing that was featured in the scope video, the funky triangular construction that was very large, you can evidently in that scope video see um, uh, a Leshak in front of it. And the Leshak looks tiny compared to the structure. Tiny, yeah. Yeah, so that ties into um, what the Triglavians are doing, which uh, by all appearances is they are here for our stars and their objective in any given system is essentially to um, build a Dyson swarm uh, around each star and harvest energy, uh, which brings us to like just the name of the quadrant, which is Eclipse, and also some strings that suggest that over the course of multiple phases, the stars and systems that the Triglavians are in the process of claiming or do claim uh, that they will be, uh, well, eclipsed by essentially megastructure construction. Makes perfect sense. It doesn't sound fun. We need those stars. <laughs> Apparently we do. Also, one other thing. So we're talking about new structures, um, but CCB has also been hinting at maybe new ships, right? I remember there was a scope video in the beginning of April where we saw a, a ship with upwell structure type coloring with the, this weird little blue lightning coming out of it. Do we think that we're going to be able to get our hands on those? Are they going to be like player ships that the income will reward us with if we fight against the Triglavians or just guessing? I mean, we are still at this point just guessing, but uh, I doubt CCP would be making that much of a big deal about a ship if they didn't uh, intend to provide us access to it so i mean we also see like triglavian industrials which are like okay industrials that's cool um but certainly the edencom ship it's been featured in a, a couple of well in like the trailer and in the new scope and for that matter we got funky things that looked like building materials um in the recent event 
So in all likelihood, just so that players that are supporting Edencom have something funky and fun to play with. It's not just like, okay, Edencom, you get the same sort of incursion loot you normally do. Oh, but if you fight for the Triglavians, you can get, you know, like Dreadnought BPCs. Yeah, I, I think they're trying to incentivize both sides. That is the and from what I hear, like the way the standings appear to work, it's very much one or the other. Like you can't just play both sides, right? Not on the same character. Mm-hmm. And the 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 ship that we were talking about, I nicknamed Zappy. Well, I didn't. Everyone seemed to like collectively call it Zappy Boy. I, I really hope. Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's currently just nicknamed the Zappy Boy. I I think it's stuck. <laughs> I, I want to know more about it. I want to know what it does. Right? I want to know everything about it now. I don't want to wait two days. Well, you'll probably have to wait a bit longer. <laughs> Remember, two days is when it's going to start. <laughs> it's not going to be there all the way. That's, that's not very likely. And for that matter, we don't see any hint of that on Singularity yet. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the first place, CCP has put some red herrings in there. In the second place, that there's stuff that they haven't put on Singularity. Like this is their like... Um, buzz building dump where it's like, okay, you can see some of what we're coming, but we've got some secrets in store or some tricks that we're going to play so that, you know, no one, including like, you know, ridiculous tinfoilers like us can, uh, can theorize about. I, I do want to give a lot of props to CCP with how they're handling it currently. Um, I mean, in the past, they put a lot of data up front. It was min-max before it hit. And currently, there's just this big sense of anticipation where everybody is just really excited for what is going to happen. We don't know how it's going to work. We don't know, but we want to try it. And at the same time, and this is something that just reaches back a bit um, about playing both sides, it makes perfect sense if you take a step back and you don't just look at lore or or gaming mechanics, because currently, the only way to get your hands on the Dreadnought, the Zenitra, is to both run the Triglavian side to get the BPCs, but each time you run it, you're not guaranteed to actually get a BPC. And if you get a BPC, it could also be for a component or just the Dreadnought, and you need several to do it. So if you're trying to run that and you would take standing hits with the Empires without the guarantee that you get the blueprints that you need and you need several before you can even start, it makes no sense to implement standing hits because then it's like well you want to run this content but you can only do it a couple of times and then you need a lot more time to work your standings back up before you can even attempt it and at the same time if you run it for the empire side that's where you can get the materials so not implementing standing hits because you need both sides for that specific type of reward for the dreadnought it makes perfect sense if you just take a little bit of a step back and not just look at as as a player or or from a lore point of view this is more about taking a step back and look at it as the person who is providing the game that our people can play because it's not like i want to play it but i only got two shots and then i'm out of luck yeah i do wonder whether they're going to institute um triglavian lp uh, loyalty points in some way i don't know if we've seen any strings that suggest that uh, one way or another then again, I mean, this is what we know now. I mean, we've we've seen it so far. It's been divided up in three chapters. And even during chapters, new things were introduced. So we might not have it now, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. 
Yeah, and what's interesting is also that in the first place, CCP has uh, an entire quadrant to fill with this content. So it's you know they're they're going to be introducing more stuff, and also uh, as was uh, talked about in the CCP stream, they mentioned that in the first place, like well, this is sort of the the culmination of the invasion story. It's not the the culmination and conclusion of the Triglavian story. So how exactly the Triglavians will remain uh, a part of New Eden and what exactly players can do with that. Yeah, we, we can just throw darts at a board, but um, yeah, they're going to be around one way or another. So what do we know too much? Like, I, I kind of want to take it back uh, just a few steps. Um, for the Triglavians, what do we really know about them? Like, as, as a player, I fly the Kikimora, I fly the Leshek. Uh, and I, I, I kind of try and follow along with what the, the Triglavians do, but what are they? Like, how do they interact with the, the universe that we know? And where did they come from? And what do they want? Uh, uh, I, I, got, I, I can give you the big picture. Like, I can't get it into the, the tinier details or more, the more specific things. But what yeah, we just know broad from, strokes is good. Yep. What we know so far is that the Triglavians, at one point in history, they lived within known space. Something happened that pushed them out. They ended up in abyssal space. And um, their entire society structured themselves within three main clans. And within those three main clans, there's an unknown number of sub subclades. Um, the clans they call clades. And they're subclades, and they're all about, uh, well, they, they seem to be about as long as we push each other to the limits, we're going to just keep challenging each other, we will come forth with advancements. But we're not just going to sit here and do nothing, we need to challenge each other. Yeah, there's definitely a, a survival of the fittest um, constant challenge component. And um, what's interesting, like with regard to the... Um, they retreated into the abyss to run from something. There are implications that they existed at the same time as the Second Empire Jove. So, like the Jove as we know them, our Directorate Jove, are sort of like the pale shadow of the Jove, and they are the the third Jovian Empire. Uh, the Triglavians coexisted in whatever capacity they were um, with or as part of the Second Empire Jove, uh, even to the point of being involved in like. Uh, polities or like in uh, states with them. Um, there are implications that when they fled to the abyss, it was to escape persecution, disease, being hunted. It's Disease isn't necessarily something that you get directly from Triglavian lore, though it is a theme in certain other evacuations that look like they date from about the same era. Um, the important thing is that they are, without a doubt, um, Empire or uh, enemies of the drifters, um, and uh, that because of their survival of the fittest mindset, um, they think that the imperative, insofar as New Eden is concerned, is to um, test our worthiness. And if we are not worthy, then clearly we're not worth uh, being allowed to consume resources that the Triglavians want. And that makes a lot of sense because they, they do have this like theme of, of like proving grounds and, and proving like just proving oneself. Uh, if you go into the abyss, there's like a proving grounds and part of the invasion, like the, the end thing was like a proving thing, right? 
Yep, it's it's a recurring theme. They they the, the word proving comes back a lot, even in the internal communications that you can get glimpses of with the. Um, and now let me double check that I get it right. The um, data streams, like the triglavian trinary data streams, you got different categories and you got numbered one to six. Um, and that's where you can see proving just keeps coming back, even towards their communication with, with the empires. And it's, it's like a way of forcing a stalemate. Like, okay, this is something we need to decide on it. And if you look at the structure of having three clades, that means you'll never end up in deadlock. There's always going to be a majority if all three vote. Right, that makes sense. And also, one other thing I, I wanted to get your insight on, I was watching this stream, um, I believe it was on Tuesday or Wednesday, um, with CCB Delegate Zero, some of you guys, and uh, CCB Burger. Um, CCB Delegate Zero kept mentioning something that I was confused about. It was Isogen 5. Um, and the Triglavians are searching for Isogen 5. What is that? Why do they want it? So um, Isogen 5, um, so Blue Stars and Eve have sort of a long history. Um, like the, the first real hint that there's something funky going on there is um, actually with the, the return of uh, Jamil Sarum and like a Terran super weapon and blah, 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 blah. And it's like powered by Isogen 5. And Isogen 5 is basically like it's, uh, a funky, unstable isotope of the isogen that we know and love from mining uh, that has like funky space magic effects. So it, it's unobtainium, basically. It's it's the magical uh, thing that powers stuff. Uh, but what happens is later on, then like isogen five detonations around various stars is what causes the Salen instant and gives us wormhole space. And then there are you know, hints that like funky, possibly like ISO five related things may have also been involved in why W four seven seven TAC P or Carolyn Star happened, but that could just also have been that it was just like this um, Dyson swarm with wormhole mechanics that exploded and did that. Um, either way, the the relevant thing is that the Triglavians have, from even before the invasions, demonstrated an interest in blue stars and. Um, because blue stars are associated with Isogen 5 uh, and magic space-timey weirdness involving like wormhole formation and spatial deformation and that type of thing, there's an implication that uh, they're with their focus on blue stars at this point uh, with invasions, that they are looking to do more very strange things to the space-time continuum. Okay, so this is like a common thing, or not a common thing, but like a, a, a thread that's been kind of uh, placed even five, six years ago in, in Eve's history. So it's, it's neat to see that uh, they're being kind of consistent with the, these types of things. Yeah. And honestly, actually, like Isogen 5, it's not even just like five years ago. It's not even 10 years ago. Like Apocrypha was, what, like 2007? Oh, that's true, because that's what caused the, the wormholes you mentioned. All right, yeah. So it's always been there in the background. It's just sort of been one of those things that, like, you know, players have never really directly tangled with it because it's sort of like, it's sort of outside of, I guess, our technological level, effectively. Like, it's it's crazy precursor stuff. It's not for, like, normal humans like you and me. Um, but the Triglavians have a lot of technology that's 
crazily more advanced than the empires um, in certain ways, like space-time manipulation. So, you know, when you get them, for instance, like, oh, hey, shattered wormholes became a thing because of like Carolyn Star in this Dyson swarm uh, exploding. And now, oh, hey, the Triglavians are here and they are potentially building Dyson swarms around blue stars. It's like, okay, what's going to happen? Like, what what are they doing? Like, CCP's like basically said that they intend to change the geography of Eve in some major ways. And it's not just going to be like security status changes. Um, so it's like, what else is going to happen? Are we going to get like strange new patterns of wormhole formation? Are the Triglavians going to like link together the systems that they successfully invade and conquer? Or, I mean, we have no idea. This is like deep tin foil. You know, we might not even see a hint of how this is going to unfold in the next few months. It might be, you know, a year. Who knows? One thing that I'd like to chime in on is, um, and this is something that's really hard to do right, but CCP is putting breadcrumbs out there. And um, to find them and to piece them together, there's, I'm just going to call there's there's different difficulty levels. But if you go out there, if you look for it, it's out there. So um, uh, there, I've heard people say, but nothing is happening in EVE. But then when you look at other things, like see what's happening with, with um, the introduction of the Sancha incursions, there was a story arc with hints that included completely different things. And it's not just looking at what's happening now. It's worthwhile to look back at what happened in the past. So when I was listening to uh, the stream with CCP and they started with Caroline Starr, the first thing that popped in my head was, oh, right, that makes sense. Why didn't I think about that before? And then, of course, you start getting funkiness where it's like, oh, hey, like the the Nexus, that strange uh, vortex in Drifter Hives, like they brought that back in too. And does it mean that they're going to like, draw in all of the components of the Drifter storyline? No, but maybe this is a, another data point or it's another thing that will allow them to do, well, who knows what. It has to, go, has to do with how much do I have to pay attention to this? So here, here's my question. <laughs> so um, if, you're, if, you're fighting, if you're fighting the pirate factions, you need to know separately Serpentis from... from uh, Blood Raiders from Sancha's nation. You need to know all that stuff separately. If you're fighting the Triglavians, do you need to pay attention to who's the Velas, the Perrin, the Svarog, the various clays? Do I have to pay attention to that? Are there going to be like five different invasions coming on Tuesday and one will be themed for each one and I'll have to, like, uh, how much do I have to know? Well, so about that. Um, so first things first, I think basically so long as you know how to fight Triglavians or are willing to like fit a Doctrine ship once Doctrines start getting ironed out, you can participate in the fighting. That that should be pretty straightforward. And insofar as figuring out the storyline goes, like honestly, that's part of the reason why ARC exists in the structure that it does is so that we can like figure this out and try to like get it out there so that people who are interested but don't want to like spend five years reading all of the backstory can like get it in a more digested and digestible form. Um, but it also does look like CCP might have effectively multiple types of invasions going on, at least because you are going to be fighting 
if you're on the side of the Triglavians, uh, local forces for the empires. And also it might be that we are going to start getting like messages from the different clades with some Yosa's consoles. So at least for like people who are like in the, the deep end of the pool, uh, like we are, um, having a little bit of that knowledge uh, can be very helpful. You mentioned the semiosis consoles. I when I was running the Edencom sites, which were super fun, it was part of the uh, an Eve event. It was like a battle cruiser only, uh, like uh, I don't want to say dungeon, but it was like a PVE event with only battle cruisers go in. Some of the loot that dropped were uh, semiosis consoles, uh, encrypted, unencrypted, uh, and they were for the different clades. What do we? What do those do? Uh, or do we know what they are for? Or is it just like are they? Are these the breadcrumbs? So, Dutch, go for it. This is like so far we know about one way they work, and that's if you have one of those in your inventory. It doesn't have to be in the station you're in. It doesn't have to be in the ship you're in. But if you have one of those items, it is possible that you could get an Eve mail with um, a message. It could be a link to a YouTube video or, or, or a different video where you get bits and pieces of information. So uh, that's what they've done in the past with the ones that weren't encrypted. Because if you had those, and depending if you had one or if you had all three, um, different, uh, different things could get different parts of a message. And that was a bit of binding it together. There was uh, Triglavian uh symbols were there with a message so that's another part with okay try to figure out um what's their alphabet what are these messages saying so it's it's one of those things that um in order to enjoy the content you don't have to know about it if you want to get more into it there's different levels different kind of challenges to enjoy and try to piece things together that might help you understand a bit more about either what the Triglavians are, how they operate, or possibly what could be coming in the near future. So this leads me to my to my next question. Um, let's say I am just kind of an uninitiated capsuleer who just wants to kind of dip my toes in to, to this whole invasion mess. Are there institutions in place where I can go fight the Triglavians or fight uh, income? without having to like uproot my entire Eve, like social structure. Like I don't want to have to leave my corp to do this or leave my alliance to this. Are there places I can go that they'll take me? Um, I don't want to say take me for a ride, but like uh, allow me to participate at my, uh, at my leisure. Oh, absolutely. Um, Arc is one of those. Um, we say like, you don't have to be part of um, Arc, the Alliance to join us in our fleets. We run public fleets in support of the empires. Um, I know other groups that are starting to have public fleets. I know Astarathi is one of them, um, where they say, look, all you have to do is show up. Um, Arc has the part where they say, okay, we've got some ships available that we know, like if you get started, doctrine ships can be expensive. So um, we offer the service of showing up if we have them available. Um, here's a fleet ship when the fleet is over or when you're done. Um, just give it back so others can enjoy the same service. And we do encourage people to at one point say, like, good, get your own ship. Makes it ever, makes it a lot more easier. Um, there are people who are getting started. I know um, I don't have the name, uh, but there's a player in the uh, Starter Corporation from Kaldari that is running fleets with, with yeah, we call it Kitchen Sink. Basically, just show up with whatever ship you have. Um 
And there are people who just say, look, if you want to be in it, you have to be with us. But um, there, there, it's just try to put a bit of a feeder out. Um, if you're unsure, um, I know Astarathi could make recommendations, like maybe you want to try there, maybe you want to try there. Um, if you join the um, ARC public channel, that's in-game called Consortium Operations. Um, that's where you'll find info on the Discord where we send out pings, like where are we going to be active as ARC? Uh, when can when do we plan to run a fleet? And if you just want to get in, if you've got questions like, hey, I want to support the Triglavians, um, who do I need to get in touch with? Like Those are good places to start without having to drop whatever corporation or alliance you, you're in. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. That's super good to know because like, I, I want to do more. Like, there's like a, a limit to what you can do as a solo pilot, right? So I can run the Eden comp sites and get these like uh, data streams and I can run Abyss sites. But uh, after that, I can't do too much by myself. So that, that's cool to know that I can just uh, take a break from whatever I'm doing elsewhere in the universe and come and I can fly with you guys or fly uh, with groups like Asherathi's group. It, it is fantastic. I mean, if I'm looking at people showing up in the fleets that I and others from ARC run, we've got people from Wormhole Space, we got people from NullSec, we got HighSec, Empire, Faction Warfare. We even have people that say, um, if we meet anywhere else, we'll start shooting. But you know what? We, we like this pace, change of pace. We like to enjoy this content. So while we're in here, let's let's just coexist for the time being. And of course, if you're hanging out with us um, and strange things are happening, you'll you'll see the uh, the tinfoil hats come out and you know, get to to see us like argue with each other at great length about, you know, what individual lines mean or how much we should read into like this element of Slavic, uh, you know, uh, religion that's being referenced and so on and so forth. So you know, even if you don't necessarily want to do the uh, the deep dives yourself onto like the lore and what all it means, you'll at least be able to, uh, to see the, the sausages being made, as it were. And do you guys do stuff in, in US time zone, EU time zone, all time zones? Um, currently, we have a really solid in EU and early US. Um, we would have been active more solidly in the US time zone as well. But yeah, pandemic ha happened. So a lot of things um, just forced people to make different choices but we we are definitely working on getting us time zone coverage as well we definitely have a us time zone fc ready to uh start as soon as uh, all things allow it you know when do the uh, convocation of Empyreans do their fleets too is that that's eu and us time zone also probably um i think it's late eu and 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 definitely a solid us with Astarathi, with the uh, Convocation of Empyreans? Uh, Astarathi is uh, West Coast US. So um, I think during lockdown, he has uh, a fair bit of access during uh, EU time zone, but he's primarily a US, uh, US time zone player. So we all have to think about picking a side here coming up soon. Uh, well, unless you're right, they don't, there's no penalty on... Uh, uh, on, on uh, standings with the other side. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it seems like at present, um, you know, there are some implications that this might operate as sort of like uh, essentially a new sort of like almost faction warfare system where you're able to like, there's been some comment on like actually like joining Edencom. I, I'm not sure if that's necessarily like a faction warfare, like, oh, hey, you can join a corporation thing. But certainly um, there are standings for both sides. 
and uh, you're at least going to have negative or positive standings, respectively, with uh, Triglavians and Edencom. So, how exactly that's going to play out with regard to like people possibly getting like positive standings with, for instance, the Triglavians and not being shot by them? I'm not exactly sure how that is going to work, or if that is in fact even what CCP has planned. But um, yeah, there are definitely going to be repercussions one way or another for the side you choose. I gotta say, if Eden Calm wants uh, more followers, they have, they better have some really good outfits, right? Because the Triglavian, <laughs> the Triglavian outfits are super dope. There are so many like uh, player groups out there who aren't necessarily into role play, but when the Triglavians kind of show, reared their head. It kind of got into it. They fly Triglavian ships. They have the Triglavian cosmetics, um, and they like tentatively support the Triglavians as well. So Edencom has to step up their game. Yeah, seriously, on that, um, I think one thing that people like you know is sort of get into this habit of is thinking of role playing as like, oh hey, I, I put on my robe and wizard hat and that type of thing, and it's like all like slash emote and you know, toward dramatic interpersonal storylines. And that's absolutely for some people, uh, an element of role play, but Eve is also like, honestly, like you're, you know, flying a spaceship and you're organizing corporations and coalitions and you know, like just taking a position in the game world and sort of like, Oh, I'm supporting this faction or that faction. Like that is also an element of role playing. And honestly, like that can be pretty fun to just have like that sense of context for what you're doing. So Yeah. Yeah, role-playing is definitely not like a, a, a dirty word uh, in EVE Online. So much of it has really been kind of revamped, I guess, or looked at again in the last two years or so. I know CCP Delegate Zero, um, and presumably his team, but I think it's just him, <laughs> if I were to guess, uh, has been doing a lot of work on all of the weird storylines of EVE Online that have kind of been uh, forgotten about or dropped. Uh, I know... Uh, there's stuff with the Amar, there's stuff with the Minotaur, there's like conflict going on between the empires right now. There's like <laughs> some sort of crazy murder thing going on in Flowswin, um, which is outside of my depth. But it's not just the Triblavian stuff. It's it's all of these threads are kind of being pulled uh, together. Yeah, there's certainly been a, a lot more content uh, boiling around at the margins um, and stuff that you can like engage with or not engage with. And it, it's fun to, yeah, to experience the world in a different way. Um, yeah, in regard to that content. Uh, so, yeah, definitely like if you pay attention to like world news articles and that type of thing, like there, there's more going on than you might think if you just focus on like the development mediated stuff. It's it's definitely the part where it's no longer that um, CCP delivers the story that is happening. They're also starting to look at things like, hey, what are major things done by the players that might be newsworthy, um, and then you or what are things that could be used to um, start a story? For example, the entire situation with faction warfare and the system of uh, Flosseswin. Yeah, in recent years and in recent months. Uh, CCP has sometimes been doing things with a purpose behind them, such as the blackout or such as the current uh, uh, mineral scarcity. Uh, and is this, a, is this invasion a case of something where CCP has some kind of objective or is this just uh, developing the storyline of New Eden and 
adding richness and depth to the game? So there are a few angles to this that um, can be uh, pulled in that it can be looked at it from. Um, the obvious first and initial take is that CCP has been wanting to change the geography of Eve and to have like a world altering event for a while. And in a fairly major way, like the, the story arc that started with like the drifters and shattered wormholes and all of that weirdness, like five, six years ago, um, even from that point, it was clear that they were wanting to do something uh, pretty big in terms of geography. And I think um, in a very real way, this is uh, a major component to that. The question, of course, what is what ends up being the um, the objective, like the end state for that geographic change. And so, like, for instance, you see references about like, OK, like changing security levels or, oh, hey, you know, videos showing gates going down or, you know, stuff that like shows like wormholes looking a little bit more like abyssal traces which is weird which we don't know where that goes but i mean like they've been doing a lot of work for instance um building up uh, a lot of new uh dynamic systems like this starts resembling almost like faction warfare so it's like what if this is maybe like a trial run for a system that they could then pour over to like a revamp of faction warfare or what if they're building out a complete line of triglavian ships including industrials now because oh, hey, maybe like in a year or two years, the Triglavians are going to end up being essentially a fifth playable race. It's like, are the Triglavians just going to take like a few random systems in high sec? Or is it all going to like connect to like a central set of systems somewhere like, oh, hey, are the Triglavians suddenly going to pull, you know, like show up with like NPC sovereignty in the drone lands? Or like, could it even like be Jovian space? I mean, that's that's totally out there. And like the stuff that we saw from like CCP marketing with like a Jovian station in this abyssal landscape, like that CCP marketing. And I think we all know that they, they just do whatever looks pretty. But the flip side is like you look at that and it's like, OK, but what is their plan? Like, is this like what sort of timeline are we looking at? Like, where do they want to take it? Because they're clearly like they're iterating on this and they're building on this. I could see. uh uh, I could see Carnaro shaking his head with the whole. That would be a no. That would be- <laughs> CCP marketing does not do whatever looks pretty. Mm, I'm I'm going to disagree on that one. At least they did when I was there, and uh, I don't. Hey, I mean, they do produce pretty things. Like do the videos are beautiful, uh, and the, the you know uh, that comes through the marketing group unless they've moved them. But uh, yeah, they have a reason. They have some reason. Carneros, then the question I have for you is like, okay, so we saw this shot that showed a Jovian station, like at angle, like presumably like derelict and abandoned with like an abyssal landscape in front of it and like a star behind it. And it looked like it's like, oh, hey, this is abyssal strangeness, possibly in Jove space. Like, is this saying that like maybe the end state in six months is that, oh, hey, Jove space now is the Triglavian homeland and these systems they take are going to connect to it? Maybe Jove made in, uh, uh, incursions, I hate to say that word, into abyssal space or just some of these places. Maybe there have been Jove and Triglavian contact in some of these other uh, pocket dimensions and that's left over. Uh, 
leftover contact from the past, uh, now long since derelict. We've come across a lot of derelict signs of second Jove, uh, thing, the sleeper sites and wormholes. I mean, this stuff, uh, it, it could be a, a, a flashback to a past event and not a future state uh, prediction. I will say um, there's a really interesting sci-fi series um, that uh, Hilmar actually mentioned in our interview with him uh, earlier this year or late last year. I don't remember what it is. It's called The Three-Body Problem. Um, it's a, a series of, of three novels uh, written by a, a Chinese sci-fi author, translated to English, so you don't have to do any crazy translation. It is super interesting. Um and there are like a lot of similarities between the, at least the a lot of early similarities between the Triglavians and uh, the the big big bad guys in in this thing. So if you guys are, are looking for a sci-fi novel to read and you want to also know more about what might happen, uh, you should definitely check it out. Uh, the first novel is called The Three Body Problem. I I don't remember if the the series has a name beyond that, but I believe it's called The Remembrance of Earth. It's called Remembrance of Earth's Past. I don't know. Wow, that, that sounds about right. Um, but the bad guys in there are called the Trisolarians, and they do some pretty, pretty gnarly stuff, and it, it doesn't necessarily end well for us. So uh, maybe check it out. See, see what you can do to, to stop humanity from dying out. And even with this, like, okay, what happens if, like, the Triglavians take a system and they build, like, you know, a Dyson Swarm and, like, basically eclipse a, a sun? It's like... Yeah, and what happens to like inhabited planets in that system when the sun is like essentially like only a quarter of its life is a light is getting past Triglavian structures or something? That's going to be a cold time. It's going to be really cold. I mean, I was in Iceland during the solar eclipse. <laughs> I can tell you from personal experience, getting less sunlight is a massive drop in temperature. <laughs> you will notice. <laughs> in that 15 minutes. Those books are intriguing. I haven't gotten around to them yet. Give us an X in Twitch chat if you miss Eve novels, though. I wish I had an Eve novel. I mean, I miss I miss Eve novels for sure. Chronicles, even. It's been a, a couple of years since we've had our last. I will say one thing with regard to Eve novels. Um, obviously, this this isn't quite fiction. It's uh, history. But Andy Groen uh, put out an update earlier this week about uh, how Empires of Eve Volume 2 is going. Uh, the pandemic kind of threw uh, a wrench in the, the cog of getting his uh, books published, <laughs> like getting the physical uh, hard copies of the books. Um, but he does have uh, a few that he's gone through and made a few changes for, and I think he's in the process of uh, getting the finalized order of all the books. Uh, so that is coming. If you, haven't, uh, if you aren't aware of it, it's essentially... Um, just a, a history book on what the players have done in the, the Nullsec area of EVE Online uh, and the, the great stories there. Empires of EVE Volume 1 is really, really cool. Uh, I have it on my coffee table. Uh, and Even normal people <laughs> find it interesting uh, to read through. Uh, it, it's a pretty good way to, to get other people involved in, in EVE Online without shoving like the game down their face. Uh, so I really like Empires of EVE Volume 1. Empires of EVE Volume 2 is coming out as well. Uh, again, not not fiction. Like, jeez, uh, I'm blanking on all of the Tony Gonzalez books. Uh, uh, Templar One. Yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. 
age. And then there are various like novellas, like um, I think Theodicy. And there's one that he had written actually possibly before he was actually a CCP employee. He may have been an ISD at the time. I, it's ancient history now. I've forgotten a lot of it, unfortunately. But uh, one thing that I, I um, noticed, there's been a, a track of this for the past while. Uh, CCP has hired another narrative designer. Uh, and I think that was like maybe like six months ago, uh, maybe more like nine months ago. Um, and so they now have uh, both Delegate Zero and the new CCPer whose uh, call sign and name I don't know. So it implies that, you know, their production is probably going to tick up uh, and, you know, hopefully they can distribute that heavy load uh, a little bit more. And we'll say CCP Delegate Zero, it's probably not a name that you are super familiar with because he doesn't do game design. Um, at least I don't think he does game design. But he's been with CCP as long as I can remember. Uh, when I was on CSM6, he was like, he was still there writing all of the, uh, the stories there. He did the um, Empress Jamal, like, whole arc as well so he kind of has like a an encyclopedic knowledge of what is going on or what has gone on in eve online so it's not like you're gonna get some sort of fresh takes and retcons of the eve lore it's definitely like the guy that started it all is still there yeah it's definitely been there through uh, quite a lot and had his uh, finger in uh, a lot of pies uh, if you go back to watch that ccp uh, stream He's the one with the, the fairly philosophic voice and the very, hmm, let's, let's consider this and perhaps and so on. He, he hedges even the things that he's making what would seem to be definitive statements. Uh, so you, you definitely have to listen to what he says two or three times and then understand that he's uh, giving room for himself or other people to write it a little bit differently if that's what would make the story more engaging. It's a fascinating listen. Uh, he knows Eve players very well, so he knows exactly what he can't say and what he can say in order to, to ruin things. Uh, also, a really, really good poster for uh, whenever he does post. Oh, yeah. No, he, he's incisive and insightful. It's, it's a lot of fun to, uh, to, to give him crap. And needless to say, he certainly returns the favor. Man, he's great. One thing CCP definitely deserves a lot of credit for is how they keep looking back and trying to keep give everything a place. Like if, if they're introducing the, the drifters and uh, now with the Triglavians, the Triglavian ships, they keep looking back and try to find things as balanced as possible. Uh, same with lore, same with story. They're not just making things new without looking at, hey, we still need to integrate this with everything that is already in the um, EVE game, in the EVE universe. And we have to make sure that there is a balance, that everything still has a purpose. And that takes a lot of dedication. And CCP is getting it right. They're, they're not just coming up where you get, uh, ooh, wimely timely, um, uh, all sort of duct tape, where if you just look at it critically, you go, um, that doesn't really make much sense. Like if you start digging into it, everything connects. And that speaks volumes of how much they care and how much they really put their efforts into to make sure that nothing becomes obsolete, everything has a place, and that when they're introducing new elements, the entire meta, meta doesn't fall apart at the edges. 
Yeah, this game, it's it's fast. And keeping the story as cohesive as it is over the course of essentially 20 years of production, uh, it's it's a bit of a feat. Um, and one thing I will say, considering we're getting toward the end, uh, if I might uh, give a shout out, is that cool? And then we'll after this, we'll go to our news segment. So, okay. So I uh, just wanted to say, of course, for those of you who are curious about the lore, want to uh, understand like exactly where uh, we get to where we are and, you know, why uh, Dutch, myself, Ash, all of the various uh, folks involved in this sort of content, like why we think uh, what we do um, in the first place, you know, just come hang out ask us questions, uh, tinfoil with us. We always love to, uh, to tinfoil and we can do it endlessly. And of course, if you're interested in like a more digested view of things, then uh, you can definitely check out the discourse channel uh, where uh, the uh, ARC discourse crew uh, periodically produces in-world news. And of course, if you want to see something uh, positively ridiculous, uh, and quite amazing. Uh, the fourth issue of the Triglavian Primer is the one that sort of like made CCP shake its head in wonderment. And that's the one that discussed uh, Triglavian targeting patterns and their apparent uh, preference for uh, certain classes of blue stars. So, uh, you know, definitely reading that and also looking at the uh, target list. Uh, Haria and Ilm produced uh, a list of what they consider to be the the most likely systems for uh, the next stage of invasion. Um, and it's, it, it's quite the read uh, and it might inform whether, for instance, you might think about uh, relocating your industry from the system you're into an adjacent one. It's uh, what's from, fascinates me most about Eve, right? Is so this is very much like a super in-depth uh, type of uh, discourse and, and just analyzation of things. But if I'm just like an industrialist, I can benefit from what you guys did because I could like put stuff on the market that uh, like people fighting might need in these areas, and I can make a mint. Well, that's not so just cool. not just that. I mean, if um, we tried it several times, where people like, look, it, these these conduits, these sites, there's ore in there, and it has content that normally you wouldn't find anywhere in HiSec. So it's worth following us in after we clear the site to go after the ore. Uh, so even even if you're an industrialist, there is a lot to be gained um, in invaded space. That just reach out, communicate, and the riches are there for the taking. I do see Niarja on that list, so uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> it it <laughs> is a fantastic. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Melsec resident, I get excited when I hear something about oh or I remember or or was great. <laughs> the uh uh one thing that we didn't discuss was weather effects if you if you go into an abyssal site uh with a filament you can go into different types of abyssal sites and you'll see different kinds of weather in the site i've heard a rumor that that weather might actually be coming to our space through somehow from the abyssal sites. I thought that was part of the abyssal site. Uh, do you know anything about this, or is that is that just a rumor? It's it's not a rumor. It's most definitely not a rumor. Um, based on what is out in Hobo Leaks, 
So once again, it's HoboLeak, so it's not set in stone. It's not sure if it's going to stay this way, but it definitely looks that um, the same as with currently in foothold systems. If the Stellar Accelerator is up, you get certain bonuses and penalties that are very similar in how the weather effects work if you're in abyssal space. Um, we've seen bits and pieces in Hobo Leaks where they're talking about different effects, such as um, if, if it's related to Omar, you'll see effect to um, energy neutralizing with uh, Kaldari. It's the range on ECM, amongst other things. So in that way, depending on where you are, there are definitely clear cues that there will be system-wide effects that attribute that affect the attributes of your ships such as remote reps, um, hit points, um, and, and other parts of e-warfare or, or different kinds of, of attacks, such as energy neutralizers. And what's also yeah. worth noting about this is that those effects, uh, if I'm not mistaken, also influence the NPCs, right? So for instance, if you're in Kaldari space and there's a Kaldari observatory up and they're buffing ECM, the Kaldari NPCs fighting on behalf of Edencom are also going to get those benefits. So if, for instance, you're running on behalf of the Triglavians, it makes sense to prioritize the destruction of Kaldari observatories so that your fleet has an easier time of it. It's, it's a blanket application. So it doesn't matter if you're a player or a, a Triglavian NPC or an Empire NPC, everything in that system will be affected. Um, to that and what is more interesting and this is a more tinfoilery um it looks like in instead of having the foothold system um this could also affect other systems that are being invaded instead of just the foothold and depending on the other systems they're just going to be um different penalties because of the invasion um it, it could very well be that the focus isn't just about the foothold system so um, I've got my fingers crossed that if people are really focusing on the bigger sites and you, for example, if it's, if it's uh, people trying to support the empires and others like, nope, we don't want to support the empires. We want to support the Triglavians, but we can't beat that fleet composition. So what we're going to do is we're going to focus on all these smaller sites in the other systems. And by doing that, they are still able to flip it in support of the Triglavians, even though other groups are focusing on the bigger side. So I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that it's something that it's not just one system or, or one specific site that is going to affect which way the progress bar is going to flip either for the Triglavians or for the empires. Um, what is known is that at the end, there is going to be uh, a site and, and depending on how that fight turns out, it's definitely going to flip over if it reached that point. So it's definitely going to be a very hot spot of a lot of activity. And hopefully not just in the foothold system, also in just all of the systems that are being invaded. But nothing is certain yet. That's just me hoping. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming and joining us. Thank you to the Arataka Research Consortium for all your hard work. Thank you to Ashtarathi for your help from chat and behind the scenes. Thank you all. Let's let's stop and look at our news of the week for a moment uh, while we still have the group here together. So this week, Northern Coalition DOT deployed some forces to X-Tech 70MU in pure blind. Um, 
One presumes this is his response to the Imperium's Jeff SIG deployment. We don't know the scale of their deployment. Uh, it, it might just be a SIG as well. It might just be a few interested parties. It, it might be a full-scale deployment. We don't know. But we are seeing snuff box forces uh, bolstered by Pandemic Horde, United Federation of Conifers, Pandemic Legion sometimes. Looking at you, Elise. And uh, and uh, some getting some help from time to time in their battles against the Imperium SIG forces and the initiative. And that's great fun. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Um, we also see that the region of Cash is embroiled in conflict. We've seen the development of a new nickname for Cash, which is Cashganistan. <laughs> uh, cracks me up. Hopefully that's not offensive to anyone. Uh, there, there have been capitals and super capitals in the battles there. Uh, there have been rumors that um, Nolsashnaya Sholopin might be getting evicted from cash. Do you know anything about that, Elise? Um, I was actually in one of the, the fights around a Fortazar uh, in IVP a couple days ago where it actually devolved into a pretty big cap brawl, right? So uh, going after one of the, the structures there. And I think something like 200 bill was lost. It was more or less even. It was like 49-51 in terms of uh, the sides that came out on top. Legacy had uh, took a slight disadvantage, and then everyone else uh, that was involved took a... We're talking like this minuscule, <laughs> tiny advantage. Um, so, but yeah, 200 bill was lost there. There was a, a huge fight in, in TVN uh, last night as well. Uh, so that entire area of the map is getting pretty heated up. North, TVN obviously. Side. TVN is, is yeah. silent. But during the TVN fight, I heard that Test dropped two new Fortisars in cash at the same time during the same you know, uh, time slice. But yeah. Yeah, the, I think Matterall has a Villion in the morning shows. Uh, I think yesterday or the day before... Um, and he was talking about how Nolsignash Lupin was basically getting uh, thrown to the curb. So we'll see how, how that actually plays out. I will say there's a lot going on in EVE Online all over the place. Uh, it's not just the North. It's not just near Cash. It appears to be kind of everywhere. All right. Um, there's a thread on uh, Reddit that's just emerging right now about a Vanquisher, a Vanquisher-class Titan that died just before downtime early this morning. Um, apparently, it was just purchased. Apparently, it was moving. There's some questions about the purchase itself. Um, I will direct you to Reddit to, uh, for rumors on this. It's probably not hard information. I will point out that the, the, uh, the tank on that Vanquisher it was fitted in basically the equivalent of a string bikini. Um, <laughs> other, other than other than the uh, the armor rigs, it, the only other defensive module it had on it was a, an abyssal damage control. No, guys. It it really looks like a travel fit, and with travel fit, that basically means make sure you can recharge your cap as quick as possible to um, once the uh, timer for your um, um, for your for your sino jump. Like once your jump timer is over, that you're in a position where you can jump right through again. 
It's it's definitely been a while so since I've seen a fit like that. Change jumps. <laughs> it doesn't make sense in the days where you can't chain jumps and you have to rest each time. I don't know. I I would yell at one of my guys for tanking a ship like that. Now now I'd heard I, I'd heard rumors that maybe that it it was trying to gank something, gank a um a Rorkel, but to be completely honest, uh, a ship fitted like that is not ganking anything. You know, it's uh, it's also a thirty-four day old character that lost the vanquisher. Yeah, it's so, very much uh, it's very much a travel fit uh, on there. And considering that it was it died five was it about five minutes before downtime, you could tell that that's. I mean, that's that's generally you know, that's generally uh, a time that a lot of people who you know want to move very expensive stuff generally tend to. Because of the impending downtime at you know at the, the top of the hour, uh, the idea there is obviously if you do get caught, you can potentially tank till downtime. But unfortunately, in order to tank to downtime, you actually need to fit a tank. Now, if you're if you're traveling just before downtime and you see a Rorqual uh, and you think, oh, I should shoot that, that is bait. Hello, people, that is bait. As someone who has lost a Titan to shooting a Rorqual, that was bait. I will tell you that is bait. But anyway, hopefully I've learned something from those days. Maybe not. The Vanquisher also died four minutes before downtime. Uh, if you want to yeah. do this type of thing, make sure not to do it four minutes before downtime, but like 20 seconds before downtime. <laughs> then you're good to go. Exactly. Exactly. The definitely a lot of things with regard to that kill mill that could raise flags of suspicion like hey this is this is a weird anomaly what is happening here yeah the person who sold it at least on reddit claims he he's now been banned <laughs> because uh i guess some of the money that he got for the vanquisher might be in, in question so it'll be interesting to just follow up on that thread in like a week to see what comes of it yeah, that's not shady at all. That's your average yeah. vanquisher last mail, guys. Watch this one. And I, I, I wanted, I, I wanted to put the thing out there, the the, the speculation out there as to he was trying to gank a raw call because, you know, when you see raw calls on a kill mail, don't initially like expect that to be raw calls doing regular raw call stuff because raw calls are used in a myriad myriad of different ways be the first and certainly won't be the last that falls to a battle Rorqual. Yeah, exactly. Another thing that happened this week is that the April monthly economic report was released. And um, there was a, a very nice discussion on Madderall's uh, daily Talking in Stations morning show. Um, so you can, if you want to dig into that, I'd invite you to look back a couple episodes to grab one of those and, and, and uh, watch the recording. You can get them from talkinginstations.com or from uh, youtube.com slash talkinginstations, all one word. Uh, any other news that we should cover, guys? The news I'm mostly interested in is, you know, about to come up. So, I, you know, honestly, I haven't been paying too much attention aside from that. No. I was there. I, I'm there thinking to myself, like, I'm definitely going to have to uh, get this uh, get this podcast out in like 24 hours. Otherwise, it's not going to be worth it. Like everyone's gonna be like, well, we could have used this information like twelve hours ago. <laughs> Pressure on you, McLeod. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. some work to do. I apologize. Ah, that's all right. 
it's it's definitely a tricky thing considering that most of the info is just um gleaned from hobo leaks where we just yeah sure we got bits and pieces but we still don't have the whole picture or how everything is going to work um but all things considering don't panic it's not be all of it straight away it's there's going to be a bit of a ramp up um don't feel left out you can still join in regardless of your situation whether you're um more into mining building industry or if you're more related oriented towards combat whether you're a young character or an old character there's a lot of groups out there that got all sorts of programs that can help you get in on the action so don't be wor- don't be afraid that you're missing out or don't be afraid that you're not ready there's plenty of people out there who will happily take you under their wings and uh, run the content with you there, there is one other thing that uh, that happened, it, and it's quite significant. We shouldn't have actually like gone past it. Uh, thank you very much, Astrothy, for uh, for mentioning yeah, it in chat. Gosh. But uh, but uh, pirate kind of somewhat imploded, or something seriously interesting happened with pirate. Uh, you know, a little while ago, there, there was a yeah a rumor at least that one of the directors got pissed off and just kicked all the corpse and. Uh, and had a meltdown. I, you know, the we January reached out to the, a director and had a conversation about maybe doing a Sunday show about that. That that conversation didn't uh, lend itself to having a show based on the subject. But I'm glad we picked this subject instead. But yeah, that that the uh, the meltdown of pirate is definitely. Uh, newsworthy uh, this week. And I will say uh, we actually did have a, uh, a neat show, I think three weeks ago now, uh, that had dead terrorists um, and talking about their campaign versus Pirate and High Sec. Uh, and I do believe the outcome of that campaign may have led to uh, some of the events that's had, that happened to Pirate. Um, from, what I, from what I glean, uh, the, the Pirate director who uh, went and just kicked everyone out. Was kind of like embarrassed by pirate, by like what pirate had become. So it's this is kind of like a oh we're going back to our roots toward it, sort of thing. Uh, it is so unbelievably profitable what they do, um, just ganking people in Isaac. That I'm sure there will be another incarnation of them somewhere down the line. Um, in fact, I think there kind of already is uh, with I forget their name. I know it's not Inner Hell, but it's like a, a name that sounds almost exactly the same. They do a lot of what a pirate does. Yeah, that sounds familiar. One thing I will say is that I, I do sort of wish that like low security status actually had more of an effect. I mean, like gank characters, they get to minus 10 and sort of like, yeah, and? Doesn't really actually influence or prevent ganking at all. It's sort of like, okay, well, and? Held on. That's the group I was trying to think of. Um, so if you get word act by held on, just don't go through Cheetah, Omar, or anything like that. I'm pretty sure we're going to see pirate return um, based on, on, I'm not sure if it's leaked or if, or if it was just published, um, but based on the tone in that message, it's more like, nope, this is not what we envisioned when we started it. Um, this, this is not something we're happy with. So in a way, they became a victim of their own success because they were really good and they are really good at what they do. So there's always going to be people like, hey, this this seems like something that's really profitable or this is something that I want to get in on. So people are going to uh, 
try to get in, they're going to get in, you're going to get other corps recruiting people that might not be willing to um, go the way that they had originally envisioned. Um, it's, it's, it's certainly a very uh, <laughs> love them or hate them kind of situation with, when it comes to pirate. They're, they're good at what they do. Um, I've been on the receiving end of their war decks on several occasions. So um, even though it's not fun, um, they're good at what they do. So I will definitely give them props for that. Um, they find they they find ways to use the system in their advantage without really breaking the game or really using um, anything that could be considered cheating. Um, and they help balance certain things out. It's it's because of pirate and things like code where haulers go like, well, you can't move anything above a certain value in the ship because that's going to be a guaranteed gank. I will say sure. that pirate do push the boundaries a little bit in terms of mechanics. I think they use some mechanics that aren't meant to be used the way they use them. Um, but they're very good at, at just like an introduction to PvP, right? I, I think they're... They're at the bottom rung of the PvP ladder uh, in what they do. So it's a good way to introduce people uh, into that aspect of the game. Yet at the same time, I mean, sure, they're, um, and I think you're referring to parking things in neutral bowhead. I, I think that's the one you're referring to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is something to which I say I tip my hat to you, good sir. That's that's something that shows you know what the mechanics are about. That's something like, okay, we're in a tough spot. Do we have ways to minimize our losses or is there a way we can still get things out? And they found it. So I say, congratulations, well done. As frustrating as it can be if it's being used against you. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Well, we'll leave Pirate for another day. Uh, but thank you, thank you for joining us today for a conversation about spaceships. Uh, please join our, the conversation and extend it by joining our Talking and Stations Discord. There is a link for that on TalkingInStations.com. Big thank you to our supporters on Patreon, YouTube, and Twitch.tv who make this happen. Uh, thank you much to our guests and to our hosts. And uh, thank you to McLeod, who has a lot of work to do to get this podcast out in time to be useful this week. I appreciate all of you. That's all for this episode. Fly well. <laughs>